When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. 6.30 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 6.30 Chad. At center ice, it's Connor McDavid. He's got Darrell Walker, and he's got some room down the sidelines. McDavid to Everly, dishes off. What time? To the 30, 20, 10, 5. Score! Touchdown, Eskimos! Edmonton's home for breaking news on your favorite teams. This is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on the voice of your Edmonton Oilers and Eskimos. 630 Chad. Stuart Parks Carter Hart has taken over in goal for Team Canada in their World Junior semifinal against Sweden. Connor Ingram started the game, lasted only eight minutes and five seconds, allowing two goals on two shots. Now with about five minutes left in the first period, it is Sweden leading Canada 2-1. The winner gets the United States in the gold medal game tomorrow. The United States outlasting Russia in a seven-round shootout this afternoon in the semifinals. If it's tied after 60, they play 10 minutes of four-on-four. Then they do a five-person shootout, and then they do sudden-death shootout where you can reuse shooters as many times you want as you want after you get through that first five. So the United States winning an exciting one. I know this always brings up the debate, should a uh, playoff-style game, should an elimination game be decided in a shootout? It was obviously pretty exciting watching it, and there were several good scoring opportunities in overtime as well. But Canada, with some work to do, down 2-1 to Sweden, 4 minutes 50 seconds left in the first period, World Junior Semifinal. Thanks a lot for tuning in tonight. It is 6.07. My name is Reed Wilkins, Inside Sports on 6.30. Chad Kelly Rudy is going to join us in a few minutes to break down uh, the Oilers-Columbus game last night. He'll talk about a couple of slumping players, specifically Benoit Pouliot and Jordan Eberle, who has scored just once since November 25th. The Oilers as a team actually aren't scoring a lot, even though they scratched out a, a good deal of points in December. They have not scored more than three goals in a game since losing 6-5 in Philadelphia on December 8th. That is a streak of... 10 games. Bob Beers out of the Boston broadcast booth will join us later on this hour as well. Oilers at Boston tomorrow on 6.30 Chad, 3.30 for the face-off show. The game will start at 5. Also excited to tell you that Warren Moon legendary Eskimos quarterback, now a Seahawks radio analyst. He's going to be on at 7.05 tonight. Of course, you can always reach me, 780-496-0063 and the text line is 6.30, And uh, I know it was a uh, generally discouraged well I don't want to say fan base because we we probably got 20 calls after the game uh, yesterday in the uh, hour of overtime open line that we did so I don't want to say a discouraged fan base but a lot of discouraged callers after yesterday's loss to Columbus and uh, look I'm going to be I'm going to look at it this way guys the Oilers lost 3-1 to the Columbus Blue Jackets they were thoroughly outplayed by a team 
that has just won 16 consecutive games. And I say, you know what? Great. If there's a time to get your butt kicked and have a bit of a benchmark, a bit of an indication as to where your team is and where they have to get, let's have it on January 4th. Let's have it on January 4th. You know what? I know it was a discouraging game. I know where there's, there, there were some guys yesterday who didn't look like they were totally engaged in the game. Fair enough. That's discouraging. And you know what? And if the Oilers come out with some flat guys tomorrow night against Boston, then I'm probably going to hike my worry pants up a little higher. But I, I'm looking at that game and saying, okay, it, to me it's clear the Oilers have the best roster they've had probably since what? In seven years? I mean, I know they've been out of the playoffs 10 years. They did win 41 games early on in the playoff drought. So they, they at least had a couple competitive teams in there. They haven't really been competitive for seven seasons. They're finally competitive. They're finally in a playoff spot. They're finally taking a step forward. So let's let's ha- let's use this game not as a, oh my God, nothing has worked and we're back where we were. I prefer to use it as, all right, there's where we're short. There's a team playing as well as any team has played in the history of hockey. And that's not a radio host exaggeration. That's the truth. The Columbus Blue Jackets are currently playing as well or as close to as well as any team has played in the history of organized hockey. All right? And they did it again last night, and they thumped the Edmonton Oilers in a 3-1 game that was nowhere near that close. So what did we see from the Oilers last night? They're not deep enough on forward. We've known that. And now you realize what kind of a problem that presents when you play a team that's in the top five in the league. You can get away with it most of the time playing against teams maybe six through 22. And you can still probably, you know, win more often than not against teams 23 through 30. But right now, the Oilers are, you know, probably still missing a line's worth of forwards in terms of having a consistent effort and being consistently involved in puck battles and finding ways to impact the game, even if they're not on the score sheet. And even though there have been good strides on the Oilers' defense this year, yeah, preferably they'd have one or two more guys. So that's the journey that Peter Shirelli has to continue to take this for him as a general manager to find those guys who can be more consistent and who can make impacts in games like that and who can pick up some of the higher-end guys when they're not able to find the score sheet. And that's also the challenge for Todd McClellan. And and that's a difficult challenge because I think we have some players who, you know, kind of they are who they are. And I don't want to turn Benoit Pouliot into one whipping boy here, but we know what his journey was before he was an oiler. He was an inconsistent player who got a series of one-year contracts from from his previous teams. Okay, so he got a five-year contract from the Oilers' previous regime. He is here. Is there a spot for him to excel on this team? I don't know if there is. I don't know if he's engaged enough to pull up his socks and play like at least a middle six winger. Okay, so those are the challenges. Can McClellan find a spot for him? Can he motivate him? I don't know. We'll see. But these challenges, if you weren't already aware of them, are 
extremely apparent after last night's game, but I don't think it's crippling to the point where the Oilers still can't be competitive and still fight for a playoff spot. That That's how I see it. I'm not going to throw everything out, out because of what happened last night. Again, I, I, I use it use it as use it as an indication. They stepped up in weight class and they got knocked out. All right, well you're going to quit or you're going to figure out how to fight at that weight class. And they now they they got the indication that they can't consistently fight at that weight class. So let's figure out how to get there. And that the problem may not be the problem ain't going to be solved this week, this month, might not be solved this season. Even if they make the playoffs, it doesn't mean that problem of becoming an upper echelon team is solved. But as Todd McClellan says, growth team. Well, we know where they got to grow to, don't we? They got to be able to play against a team like Columbus that can bring that intensity, that can play with that speed, that can play with that precision. They got to be able to counteract it and throw it back in the other team's face. And there have been a lot of nights this year where the Oilers have taken tough shots from the other team and turned it around and thrown it back in the other team's face. Didn't do it all against Columbus. By my count, the Oilers had one good scoring chance before they pulled Cam Talbot, and they scored on it. Oscar Kleffbaum got an open look in the slot and fired it home. They got a, Bobrovsky had to make a couple good saves when the Oilers pulled the goalie. Game was pretty much over by then. Todd McClellan after the game, I thought this was a good comment. We're not capable yet of getting there. It was a great test for us. Uh, for me, that's a playoff-type environment, and we had some uh, some go-to people that were invisible. So we've got to get them up and running, and uh, they've got to understand that they, uh, you know, as, it, as we get further in um, and we get to where we want to go eventually, it's going to be a lot harder than that, and you got to show up. So, and McClellan's aware of it. He coached teams in San Jose that were good teams, won 50 games in the regular season, went to the West Final a couple times. He's aware of what is still to come. And and he knows right now the Oilers don't have that juice. I think some players can find it internally, and some of it is going to have to be the GM continuing to tinker with the roster. Canada just scores its 2-2 against Sweden in the semifinal late in the first period. Jordan Eberle... One goal in his last 18 games on the third line today at practice with Kajula at center. Pouliot and Hendricks were rotating on the left wing. Here's McClellan on Eberle's slump. Well, goals are hard to come by for anybody in the league right now. Um, you know, there's comparisons to be made. You can talk about Austin Matthews and the line he's 20, or you can talk about some others. I think Patrick Bergeron is a, you know, may, might be a Hall of Fame player, but um, it's not going in for him as much as he'd like. And, uh, when that happens, you have to be able to find ways to contribute to the team's success outside of that element. And, um, you know, Jordan is doing it some nights, other nights he's not. Uh, players that are used to scoring on a regular basis and then when it goes dry, they, they haven't experienced it as often, so they're not sure how to react. And, um, you know, we want a we full game from Jordan right now. The goals will come eventually, but just a full game from him. All right, some thoughts from head coach Todd McClellan. More on the Oilers page on 630Ched.com. Kelly Rudy's going to weigh in on last night's game and some of the Oilers players who are under fire when we get back. It's 616 Inside Sports on 630Ched. This is Mark Potestu from your Edmonton Oilers, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio 630Ched. 
Inside Sports on 6.30, Chad. Here's what's happening in the NHL so far this evening. The Jets lead the Panthers 1-0 in the second period. Five minutes in, no score between the Canadians and the Stars. Also scoreless early between the Rangers and the Flyers. Still to come, Coyotes and the Canucks, Avalanche and the Flames, and the Red Wings will play the Ducks. Oilers at Boston tomorrow, and that uh, World Junior game 2-2 tie Canada and Sweden after the first period. Oilers coming off that loss in Columbus, and I'm pleased to be joined by the NHL on Rogers analyst Kelly Rudy, former NHL goaltender. Kelly, welcome back to the show. How are you doing? I'm fantastic. Read yourself? I'm doing very well. Great to talk to you again. Man, oh man, the uh, it's heating up. We, we had some uh, unhappy callers to the show after the game against the Columbus Blue Jackets, who, by the way, have the second longest winning streak in uh, in NHL yeah. history. You know, I, I you know the Oilers went into that game. It, it was not a close game. Uh, the score was relatively close, but Columbus controlled it. January 3rd, how much should we actually read into the Oilers kind of getting their butts kicked a little bit last night? Well, first of all, unfortunately, if there's a month in which you're going to get some uh, lackluster performances and uh, some guys that look a little bit disinterested, this is the month that you're going to see it more so than any other time of the season. I I can assure you that although it's no excuse and you are paid to be at your best every single night, this month in particular is the one that just seems to sap your energy and there's not a lot to look forward to. I, I was always really hopeful or really looking forward to the all-star break because that seemed to rejuvenate you and then after that then it seems like the the final push is always on and that uh, february and march are really easy to play because every game seems to be an incredibly important one so if they can weather uh, the storm through this and hopefully don't have those sorts of performances in the in the those games where you really like to be at your best when you're you know you're playing an op- an opponent that's fantastic but i like i've told you many times on the show this this year i'm really impressed with the team way different than previous years last night was not uh, a marquee showing for them but but they'll get through that and they'll get over that you know, one player who's, I mean, he's having a tough year. There's theres no other way to put it. I mean, that might even be putting it mildly. Is Benoit yeah. Pouliot, whose name isn't often on the score sheet. He's been reduced to third, fourth line minutes most nights. And then the egregious giveaway last night that leads directly to a Columbus goalie. And, and you know, he's had the offensive zone penalty benchings. It just seems like for Pouliot, every... Um, thing that can go wrong in his game continues to go wrong and, and Rob and I were talking last night with some of the fans it's it's one thing not to score it's it's another thing not to seem engaged in the puck battles I mean I don't know when you're this deep into a season if a player can get it back you've probably had teammates that where it's just mounted like that but uh, he's having a tough ride here well typically once it's uh, halfway through the season and the things that you're all talking about um those usually don't fix themselves. They don't go away. There's no miracle. There's no nothing really that uh, in in most cases I've not seen a guy turn it around. It's just if he's in this sort of season. That's kind of what it is. Now those offensive uh, penalties that he's taken that that's been with him his entire career. Those I mean it, it, that that is just discipline and no other word to use to describe that. That's just lack of focus and that's all on him. The other things, you know, 
points and where he is in the roster. Unfortunately, sometimes um, the coach, you know, he, he puts you on a third or fourth line and he's hoping you get some sort of reaction, but some guys don't react that way. Sometimes it's, how can I get the best out of this guy? And, and I can give you a great example. It, was, it seemed to me early on in the season, Nazem Kadri with the lease was kind of like a forgotten guy or lost person in the lineup. And Babcock decided to put him in a matchup role. And wow, all of a sudden, new responsibility and importance in his own mind. And all of a sudden, Kadri's a really good hockey player again. I'm not telling you that that's what McCollin's going to do with Pouliot. He knows him far better than I do and what his skill set is and what makes him go and so on. But sometimes that's what a player needs. He needs to feel important. And if he's not, no matter how good he is or you know where he fits in your lineup if you're not feeling very good about yourself it looks as though you know your your play is lethargic and you don't care and all that but sometimes it's just a matter of how you feel about yourself kelly rudy joining us on inside sports at the nhl on rogers former nhl goaltender of course for the islanders kings and san jose sharks um you know it's funny after after a loss like that all the slumps and 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 little things all, all of a sudden get a get a brighter spotlight shone on them jordan everly yeah. has one goal in his last 18 games and Todd McClellan said today after practice, he says, if Everly isn't scoring, he has to find other ways to contribute. Now, Todd was fair. He said some games Jordan has been able to do that, other games he hasn't. Jordan has produced points all of his hockey career. You could probably go back to his six years old and the leading scorer on his team, right? How does a yeah. scorer learn to do some of those other things? to find ways to contribute when his name not on the score sheet. Is, is that a difficult adjustment? Does an individual have to take it on himself? How can that transition happen? Boy, there's a, first of all, it's, it has to be within. You've got to want to be a complete player. And, and I think that's what you would want from Jordan Eberle. Um, and I've been on Hockey Night. I've, uh, I've said some things about his overall game that I don't uh, – uh, really think are as strong as they need to be, especially now. He's a 26-year-old guy. He's been in the league a lot of years. And just by watching other players that that are skilled, but when the game kind of disappears on them, they find other ways to compete. And I, I don't know if you watched the, um, the Centennial Classic on the weekend, Reed, but I found a really great clip about Mitch Marner. So here might be the difference with between Everly when he was young and and where Marner is uh, at that young age also. So Marner scores a beautiful goal in the third period. I think it was, might have been his second shift after that. He got into a puck battle in the corner with Cronwall, one of the toughest guys and at times can be a really dirty guy. And Cronwall was trying to take the will away from Marner. And Marner just did not allow that to happen. In fact, he continued to battle. He got knocked down, got back up, got the puck. He protected the puck and made a play. Early on, you never saw that with Eberly, and he got a break. Everybody said, well, but he's a scorer. You know, that's not his game. And so he never had to build that foundation. Now, all of a sudden, he's 26 years old, and all you can really see are the faults in his game, and there are many of them. And so what he's got to do is just buckle down, in my opinion, and play harder. It's basically as simple as that. I've asked guys around the league about uh, some of the guys on the Oilers, and they tell me that 
they're extremely skilled, but he's referring to that to the group I'm talking about. That, but they don't play hard enough, and they know that if they play extremely hard, this is not this year, Reed. This is previously, but it, it includes Everly. That they knew if they played really hard early on, you'd get a soft effort. And Jordan Everly has to find a way to overcome that, and it's it's a work in progress. I don't know if he ever will. He's certainly a talented hockey player with great hands, great vision, uh, great offensive mind, but that's not everything to the game of hockey. Kelly, before I let you go, you mentioned the Centennial Classic. Uh, To be honest with you, I didn't see much of the actual game because the Oilers were practicing while it was on, but I did see some of the video from the alumni game. How about Gary Roberts and Chris Draper, eh? Well, <laughs> you know, some of these guys, and there was, I was, we had actually left, but in the third period, we were even told that uh, Dino Cicerelli took a slap shot, led to the game-winning goal, and we heard through the grapevine a lot of the guys on the Leafs were not very happy because uh, in those games, you're not supposed to take a slap shot for safety reasons, and I heard, so it really ramped up, but Reed, that, that kind of reminds me, you go back to that game, the Heritage Classic in Winnipeg earlier this year, where first two periods, there's, uh, guys are having a ton of fun, in the third period, I, and I was ringside, it got pretty spirited, so whenever guys ramp it up like that, I, I'm never surprised. Kelly, always great to have you on the show. Enjoy the uh, Flames-Avalanche game tonight. Flames got to be favored to win that one, buddy. You got that. Thanks, Reed. That is Kelly Rudy joins us once a week here on Inside Sports. He's with the NHL on Rogers. Very good goaltender during his NHL career. Interesting comments there on uh, the Oilers, some Jordan Eberle stuff. Rudy's actually been fairly critical of Eberle over the last few years, and uh, he continued with that assessment tonight. You can text 63630, phone number 780-496-0063. Inside Sports on Chet. This is Oscar Platform from your Edmonton Oilers, and you're listening to the Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio 630 Chat. Second period about to start, World Junior Semifinal, Canada 2, Sweden 2. Sherwood Park's Carter Hart now in net for Canada. Connor Ingram pulled after allowing two goals in the first eight minutes and five seconds. NHL Jets 2, Panthers nothing in the second period. Canadians now up 1-0 on the Stars in the first. No score, Rangers and Flyers with about six minutes left in uh, the first period. Three games still to come tonight. Going to get to a phone call here in a second. The Edmonton Oil Kings making a big trade today. Aaron Irving traded to the Everett Silvertips. Irving says a uh, little tough being traded after being an oil king for his entire junior career. It's always tough leaving a team that you've been part of for so long, but I think going to Everett being such a, a good and dominant team and something that makes it uh, the sweet part. So I'm excited to go to a team that is going to be a contender. I think Randy and I had um, common thoughts that we wanted it to be beneficial on both ends of the trade. So I think with them getting some good young prospects in, uh, that are going to help them uh, when their time is definitely a big part. Oil Kings get a couple of players. First round pick in the 2018 WHL Bantam Draft. The Oil Kings in action tonight hosting Vancouver. Now Oilers prospect Giants forward Tyler Benson not playing in that game because of a minor injury. It starts at 7 at Rogers Place. My name is Reed Wilkins. Thank you so much for tuning in. You can text 630-630. The phone number is 780-496-0063. We have Jared on the line. Jared, go ahead. Hi, Reed. Happy to be here. Yeah, Happy New Year. Thanks. 
Uh, and I just want to make a comment on with Kelly Rudy, uh, with Jordan Eberle and Mitch Marner. And I think that, you know, everyone, people always say Eberle was be- was beating up, that people were beating up on him or Taylor Hall or Yakupov or whatever. But you got to realize with Nugent Hopkins, Hall, Eberle and Yakupov, all these high draft picks, we were always last with all of these guys. Eberle produced points, Hall produced points, Yakupov maybe didn't. Nugent Hopkins had some good years. But with all those guys, we were always last. And there's, despite, you know, you can have good statistics, there's a lot of other elements to the game. And then when you, when I watch Eberly, despite all of his talent, I see the same things that Kelly Rudy sees. Even with Nugent Hopkins, I see the same things. And so I often wonder how much longer are they going to be on this team? Is, does he continually put Eberly on the first line? to maybe get his production up so he could trade him? Is he trying to get Nugent Hopkins' production up so he can trade him? But that they were last with all of those guys. And I think that until they turn over all of those players, because they've had so much losing. Like, look at Justin Schultz now. He's, what, plus 24 or whatever? Well, and he's, a, still, and he's, I, he's, on a, he's in a better situation, right? He's He's got a better team around him. A, he was in such a rut here, right? Yeah, and true. sometimes just that change of scenery could be good for them, but... I think the big thing is people forget is we've had all these guys and a lot of people in the media say, well, Everly's fantastic or Hall is fantastic, but we were, we were dead last with all of them. And unfortunately, the talent part, I think, is very overrated in hockey and it's still all about that grit and determination. And like Jesse Pogliarvi, how much of his, like he's a talented guy, but the NHL season is a brutal grind and the playoffs is even worse. And I think that that's what separates players like they're not almost they're not almost like professionals and the other guys they can like Milan Lucic he knows maybe he's not as talented but he knows how to manage the game he knows how to manage the season and these other guys can't and that's why these these guys make the playoffs and win the Stanley Cup and then the Oilers haven't in the last 10 years well and, and you know I remember and, and, I, and I, I first of all Jared I want to be clear that I'm not pinning last night's game on Jordan Everly because no. I, I mean, Leon Dreisaitl's having a great year. That, I thought that might have been Leon's most invisible game of the year, quite frankly, last night. You know, there were other guys that didn't carry the mail, and they played an excellent team, which is another point I was making about that. Uh, you know, I, I don't personally, and I, I, don't, I don't think you're doing it either, but I, I know what you're saying. I don't blame the Oilers 10 years out of the playoffs on Hall, Eberle, Nugent Hopkins, and Yakupov. As part of the team, they have to shoulder some of the blame. I also don't think the Oilers put together a very good roster, and I don't think they had the Luciches and the Latestus and the Hendricks of the world and the Chris Russells sort of leading the way, and even Adam Larson to some extent, leading the way with a little bit of composure and showing the inexperienced players, hey, this is how you do it. The Patrick Maroons who can come out and say, okay, we lost the game, let's not flip out about it. Let's stay calm and, and stick with what we're doing. I, I think the, the turnover and the lack of experience on the roster hurt, to some extent, the development for the young players and maybe hurt them developing some of the habits that you're saying you need to be successful deep into the season. Yeah, and I mean, but like maybe Babcock's going to instill that in some of these young players. But eventually, like, Everly, I don't even think he played a playoff game in junior. I don't think he did. I don't think he did, actually. I think he went to the AHL and played a couple for the Oilers team, didn't he? Yeah, I think so. But, you know, there is that competitiveness, and hockey is it's a tough-grinding game. And, and some of those guys, they just don't 
they don't have it on a, on a nightly basis. And, and uh, it's, it's too bad because I always thought with all those first round picks, we were going to see something special, but I, I do think like in another year or so, even more of those guys won't, won't be here in the future. Yeah. I think, I think it's possible. Uh, I mean, uh, you know, Rob and I get asked that all the time. I, I think contracts, could make it tough. Um, yeah. I also wonder, you know, I think there's, a, I know Nugent, a lot of people criticize Nugent Hopkins' stats, but Todd's been, I mean, Todd was kind of critical of Everly in that clip. He's been pretty positive with Nuge, if you've heard a lot of the clips. Yeah. So I think he sees some things happening there that maybe don't show up on the stat sheet. Um, it, it, like, like, Shirelli's far from done. I mean, no GM is ever done. But I I still kind of see this as most of the season I've called them an average team. Maybe I maybe I'd give them slightly above average, but they're not in the upper echelon. So last night we got an indica- uh, we got an indicator, and they're not in the upper echelon because they don't have quite enough forwards who can adapt to the style of game that was played last night, as well as still produce points when they're needed. Do you think Columbus is for real, or you think it's just uh, this they is, could all of a sudden hit? they're going to make the playoffs? Sixteen is be... a long time, man. Like sixteen is a long. That's a long stretch of games. I have to say they're for real now. How yep. can how can Se- I not? Seventeen's the record by Pittsburgh, right? Seventeen's the record by Pittsburgh, and uh, Columbus plays Washington tomorrow, so that's going to be fun. Yeah, interesting. Okay, Reed, have a good night. Thank you for your time. Yeah, always good to talk to you, Jarrett. We're also, uh, we got Bob Beers coming up in this half hour. We'll get to him in a few minutes. We have Mark on the line first, though. Hey, Mark. Hey, good evening, Reed. Uh, so I'd like to know, I don't know enough about the intricate details of Columbus, but how did they become a juggernaut this year? They they drafted uh, lower than us last year. They got a coach that was ran out of two cities. Right. <laughs> How, how did that happen? Well, Mark, you know, if you missed last night, you should go back and listen to my interview with Jody Shelley. Um, no, I did miss that. Yeah, he he was he was good, and he spoke very highly of John Tortorella, and and you hear things about John Tortorella being a good leader, and you know, I've heard stuff talking to other media guys around the league and and people like that this year, and that it seems like Tortorella has been able to focus his emotion a little bit more this year and know when to dial it back because he's so outgoing and, and... And you sure never heard stuff like that about him in Vancouver. No, I know. I mean, I, I th- maybe well, maybe when you do something as obvious as try to go into the other team's dressing room, maybe you take inventory, <laughs> right? I mean, it's like, yeah. you know, when you do something... I, I don't know what... It's like when you run a stop sign, then all of a sudden you start paying yeah. attention to I, more attention to stop I just signs. don't know. Like, you don't follow Columbus closely enough. I just don't see how they went from a bottom feeder like us last year, unless they had really bad injuries. Like, I don't know the well, team two, enough to know what Two happened. years ago, they had bad injuries. That was the team Latestu was on. And then they went okay. 15-1-1 and down the stretch and just missed the playoffs. And last year, oh, Bob had the stat yesterday. They I, started, I think, 0-something. They started 0-7. They changed the coach. They were over yeah. 500 under over, under Tortorella and Bobrovsky's having a better year this year and we know yeah, what know we know what goaltending does sure. and I mean you got a guy like Hartnell and you know I like Hartnell because I was working in Lloyd Minster the summer he was drafted so I've always followed his career I mean he's a guy with 1100 career games who can yeah. play nasty on the fourth line the Oilers aren't that deep right now they aren't no 
And the other thing, too, like now switching to the Oilers' perspective, number one, first quick point here, I don't know why everybody's up in arms since last night. I mean, we didn't lose 7-1 to like Pittsburgh or 10-1 to like Montreal. Well, what were their fans like? I mean, we lost to a team that's super hot right now, and all these guys are calling for the heads to roll. Like, it's one game against a, a team that's unbelievably on a roll. But uh, besides that, like from the Oilers' perspective here, like, like they were talking about, Bob was talking about earlier today that he was uh, McCollum was running out of wingers to put out their last name. Yeah, everybody like it. Has it not been a perfect storm this year in the negative sense of all these guys not producing on the Oilers? Like it's not like one or two of them. Like run the list, man. Right from Hopkins to Eberle to Pouliot, and just keep rolling the names out. Unbelievable. Well, yeah, I mean Maroon's producing, and yeah. uh, Pitlick was above. Yeah, he was eight goals. And, uh, you know, Latestu's above, though I don't know if that's going to keep up. He had a good little burst. Uh, yeah. yeah, no, the, the, you're right. The, the, they they could use a little more depth on the wings. Uh, and Nuge is, you know, like I was just saying to Jared about Nuge, his stats yeah. are down, but McClellan doesn't seem as concerned about Nuge as he does yeah, about he a couple other a, guys, which I find he, interesting. Yeah, he had related, I think, Bergeron a little bit to Nuge. And, and when we played L.A. there a week or so ago, Bob was talking about Kopitar. How'd you like to have his stats? Three goals. Yeah, it's crazy. Ten million bucks. Holy smokes. Mark, thanks for calling. Yeah, thanks. All right, and uh, we're going to bring in Ray here for a minute. Ray, go ahead. Hey, how are you doing today? Doing good. Go ahead, buddy. Good. Uh, you know, one of the reasons why Tortorelli's having such good uh, uh times with his team that he's got now is there's no superstars on there every other team that he's coached had superstars and then they don't want to work hard and John Tortorelli has a hard work ethic these guys are all players that no other team really wanted and look at that they're leading 16 games and uh, they're not going to stop because they've got the hard work ethic and you got guys like uh, Pouliot on our team that uh he does. He goes into a corner. He never comes out with the puck. He's got four goals this year. Three of them went off his legs. You know, like uh, even last year. I don't know why they probably couldn't get any good trades for him. And maybe that's why they keep trying to stick him out there, get him productive, so they can get some money for him. But he's like uh, a Dustin Penner. Uh, you know, a big guy that's soft on the corners. Yeah, but he, he never. He's never. He's never had a thirty goal. Didn't Penner have one or no, two thirty goal close. seasons? You're I mean, right about that. Penner could but shoot I mean, it like better. Being a big guy that's soft is what I mean. You, you know. Yeah. But, well, he, uh, yeah. He's definitely not. Uh, there's. Uh, there's some fire missing there, Ray. And, and you know, like Kelly was saying, some play. I mean, these guys still have personalities, right? And that's right. You know, I've never been in an NHL corner, so it's hard for me to be overly critical. But you know what I'm saying? Like you're right. Pouliot, he's not. I mean, Everly's had some games where he's kept some pucks alive. I know when we have a lot of guys who hate Everly who text this, sh- I mean, you'd probably be embarrassed if you read some of the texts coming in about Everly. He's had some but games he where he's fought for the puck, but Pouliot doesn't... He's about him being a, you know, a star player and he's not used to playing hard, right? You know, a lot of things come easy to these guys in the younger, in the smaller leagues. They get into the big leagues, it's not as easy. Yeah, we'll see, right? Like I said, I'm I'm not writing them off after one game. If they're no. flat against Boston tomorrow, I'll be a little more concerned. Yeah, but uh, Pouliot, I'm glad that uh, that uh, he's being benched this season, and at least uh, uh, at least I'm glad uh, McClellan. You know, he seems to be stepping up, and I don't think Pouliot's going to be around next year, and I hope not. Uh, I think he's just trying to put him out there. The only reason why he's not in the minors is he's trying to get him a little bit of numbers so he can trade him. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see, Ray. Thanks for calling, buddy. You bet. Bye. 
All right, 646, Oilers and Boston tomorrow. They're, uh, what, just a point apart in the standings. Boston put a goalie on waivers today, and one of their all-time Bruins legends passed away earlier today. We'll talk about that with Bob Beers when we get back. This is Matt Hendricks from your Edmonton Oilers, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio, 630 Chet. Ethic tonight. There's one guy who has never had that question. Oilers and Boston Bruins coming up tomorrow night. Bob Beers, former NHL or former Oilers defenseman, actually briefly in the 1990s, radio analyst for the Bruins. Bob, welcome back to the show, man. How are you doing? I'm doing great, thanks. How are you? Yeah, it's good to talk to you again. It's always great to have you on the show when the uh, Oilers and the Bruins are going to hook up. But be- before we get into the the game stuff, you know, a bit of a a bit of a sad note today for the Bruins organization, but but maybe a time to to remember this this guy's contributions as well. Milt Schmidt has has passed away at the age of 98, and I know we were just talking before we came on air here. A guy who uh, who remained around the Bruins organization and, and a big part of of the team. He's been around quite a bit in the last few years, um, you know, to the point where he was in the locker room earlier this season, I think for opening night, uh, just to, to talk with some of the players. He was out on the ice on opening night with Bobby Orr. Um, so he has been around. He remained in the area. It is um, uh, it is a sad day, but it's also a day where you kind of remember um, what he meant to the organization. He's the only person ever to be a player, coach, and GM of the Bruins. Uh, you know, Stanley Cup winner four separate times as, as player and coach. Uh, you know, it, it's um, there's some great stories about him. He's I, I, he he's told some of the stories, um, even to the point where he had to leave in the middle of his career and go off and fight in World War II. And the day that he was going to do that, he, the last game he played was against Montreal Canadiens, and the Montreal Canadiens, the Bruins, went around the ice with the crowd line all on their shoulders. Um, parading them around the ice, you know, knowing that it was their last game and that they, they were going off to war. So it was really uh, um, his, his story's phenomenal. I hope that somebody actually really tells it and tells it right um, because it's 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 fantastic and it was it was, a, it was an honor to be able to know him and and how genuinely nice of a man he really was. Well, that's an incredible connection, like you mentioned, to a totally different era where where players' careers would be interrupted to go serve in the military and. I mean, I don't know. Were you ever around when younger players were around him? Because that's obviously a pretty wide gap in age, and what some of the younger players might know about that era of hockey. But did you get the sense that uh, they sort of revered him, and, and he rubbed off on them pretty positively? Well, I, I sure hope so. You know, we, we've we've been we've we're lucky to have a lot of players who. Um, uh, played in the past, uh, John Busick, um, uh, among many others that stayed in the area. Uh, Ray Bork is here. Bobby Orr is here part time. He's, he's down in Florida sometimes as well. But he, you know, we, we've been we've been really lucky to have a lot of people. Um, I'm going to miss a lot of guys. Cam Neely obviously still here as the president, but a lot of guys who have settled in this area uh, who may not have been from here initially. And you know, the connection with the team and uh, the alumni is strong here in Boston. Uh, is you know you, you you know you guys Edmonton has a has a real strong alumni I'm sure, uh, but it dates back to the 80s. Right, our alumni is is goes way way back, and it's just you know it's for me personally I can't speak for anybody else. It's I have a lot of fun hanging around with some of the the older guys from the older generations. You hear some of their stories. We play a lot of charity hockey games throughout a season. Uh, you know some of the guys like Abuse and whatever getting a little up there in age right now. 
so they don't play as much anymore. They don't play at all anymore. But, you know, you still have that, that next generation that still plays games, the, the Rick Middletons and Terry O'Reilly's and players like that. So they're all still around here, uh, and we, we try to get uh, you know everybody together as much as possible and, and try to keep that connection um, in the Bruins family. Bruins analyst Bob Beers joining us tonight on Inside Sports. Bruins and Oilers coming up tomorrow here on 6.30. Chet, to transition to some things going on with this year's edition of the Bruins, Anton Kadobin, goaltender, placed on waivers today. I know his stats are underwhelming if you just look at his few appearances this year, but what can you tell us about uh, Kadobin and the Bruins' goaltending situation? Well, the stats, unfortunately, they don't lie. You know, he's really had a tough time. Uh, he started off the season, and then he had an injury that set him back maybe a little. And when he came back, they sent him to Providence to play a couple games in conditioning, come back up. And he just, he he really hasn't been able to do the job. I think one win, and uh, I believe it's eight appearances, if I'm not mistaken. And um, it comes down to trust right now. You know, they signed a veteran goaltender to back up Tukarask so that Tukarask didn't have to play, you know, 65, 70 games this season and that he was fresh at the end of the year when they really needed him and they needed that push because the Bruins have been in a playoff position the last two years and they haven't been able to make it because they've, they've quite honestly, they, they look like they ran out of energy towards the end of the season. And Rask has had a really strong start to the year, but you also have to have a good, solid backup that you can trust. They have not had that in Hudobin this year. Uh, the hope is, in my guess, and we've been kind of waiting for it a little bit, is that Zane McIntyre will probably come up. Zane McIntyre leads the American Hockey League in um, goals against average and save percentage. Uh, he's 10-0. and 0. Uh, And the only reason he hasn't played more games is he was up here when both Tuka Rask was out and Udobin was out. So he's, you know, he seems to be the real deal. We hope so. Uh, he's had he's had a year plus now down in the American Hockey League. He was goalie the year in college a few years ago in North Dakota. And they're hoping that he can come up and, and be the guy that they can trust to play um, and, and give them good performances when Tuka Rask needs a rest. And it's a real busy schedule, as everybody knows right now. So, you, you know, some teams rely heavily on their number one, and, and that's fine. But I think the majority of teams in the long run, if you're going to be successful, you have to have somebody that you can, you can put in there, not just time to time, but on a regular basis to give that number one a rest. Yeah, for sure. Bob, I'm wondering if you can give fans here a perspective on the years you covered the Oilers when Milan Lucic was there. And I know it's been a year and a half now since he was a Bruin, but he, but he came here, I think, with some pretty high expectations from Oilers fans. He got the big contract, got a long contract. Certainly he has an element of physicality that the Oilers have been sorely lacking. Um, you know, the Oilers have obviously had some tough nights this year, like any team, but, and I do the call-in show after the game, and Milan becomes a focal point. Why wasn't he more physical? Why wasn't he in there rattling the boards? Why didn't he go after this guy that looked the wrong way at McDavid, all that kind of stuff? And I always say, you know, I don't know, his point total's pretty much on par to be in the in the 50s like usual, and he's picked his spots a little bit, but he has been physical. I mean, what is Lucic night after night in your mind? Um, you know, he's, it, depends, it depends on the season, to be honest with you here. Um, he was a guy that can make a major impact in a game, and we all know that. Um, you know, just his ability to, to be the combination of a power forward and someone that can score some goals as well. Um, you know, he, can, he really gets going straight ahead. He's got the straight-ahead speed. You know, laterally not quite as much, but when he gets going straight ahead and he goes hard to the net, you know, he, he can be a real force. Um, when he's playing with that physical presence, that physical tone, 
He's a huge threat to defensemen that have to go back for a puck and get it and, and know that he's barreling down on them and, and know that he's going to finish a hit. Uh, you know, I, I think you know, with, with a guy like Lucic and, and the way that he plays, there probably has to be some degree of, some degree of pacing himself you know, where it's not, he might not have that every night, but the threat is there from, from night to night. Certainly when he does drop the gloves, it's a, um, it's, 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 I mean, he, during his time here, it was pretty impressive. I mean, there, there weren't many guys who, who liked to go with him, and it took a lot of prodding for guys to go with him when they finally did. You know, it, um, it, it was, you know, he, he wasn't, he wasn't hanging on. That's, that's for sure. Now, as he goes through his career now, it's, he can put up those points. He can be a physical presence. It may not be there every night. And that actually was part of the criticism here in Boston uh, for a while, towards the end of his tenure here in Boston, that it, it wasn't there nearly enough. Um, it needed to be there more. So, you know, it's still, um, he still can make an impact, and he can still change the, the, the tenor of the game when necessary. Uh, you know, it's just a matter of, you know, how often it's done and, and how consistent it is with that. Yeah, fair point for sure. Bob, going to be fun. Uh, it was a, a steal by Cam Talbot when these two teams met in uh, dis- in Boston in December last year. So we'll see what they're going to have for us tomorrow night. Really appreciate your time, man. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. We haven't um, we haven't seen uh, Connor McDavid yet. Uh, the two times that the Bruins played against Edmonton last year, McDavid was out of the lineup both times. So really looking forward to watching him play for the first time live. Yeah, that'll be a treat for Boston fans. Thanks, Bob. Bob Beers is the radio analyst for the Boston Bruins. As we were wrapping up that interview, Canada scores seven minutes left in the second period. Canada leading Sweden 3-2. Oh, and another opportunity for Tyson Jost, the Edmonton area kid, and the Swedish goaltender with a couple of unbelievable glove saves. Those will be on the highlights tonight, but Canada is up 3-2 in the second period. Hey, you know this guy, Warren Moon, is up next on the show. 630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad.